welcome to the Raw podcast. We are coming to you on the back of Sunderland's 3-1 defeat to Lincoln City at the Stadium of Light. I'm James Copley and I'm joined by our Chief Football Writer, Phil Smith. Phil, how are you uh, feeling after after last night's events at the Stadium of Light? It was, um, yeah, it was. Uh, there was a lot to talk about, should we say. I think uh, dazed and confused, I think is probably how I would say I was feeling. I mean, you know, it doesn't feel quite right to say didn't see it coming because I suppose we're always hoping and looking for signs that Sunderland have moved past this kind of like self-sabotage habit. Um, but you're always at the back of your mind. You just, you just, you just worrying, aren't you? And that seems unfair in a lot of ways because they've had a brilliant season so far, 10 games unbeaten. Um, so I don't want to go too far down that road, but at the same time, you know, there's no disguising that it was a, a really poor performance at a really bad time. Yeah, it definitely felt like Sunderland doing a Sunderland. It was strange because um, I watched the game as a fan uh, in the North Stand, but beforehand we went to the pub for a couple, as you do, and I was talking to my friend Tom Dingwall and his dad, Michael Dingwall, and, and their friend Kenneth, and sort of, we've been playing that well, that just haven't, didn't consider the possibility that we would lose the game or put in a bad performance, which... Is complacency, and as a Sunderland fan, we should be above such complacency. But um, clearly, we weren't. I guess the second port of call will have to be Chris Maguire because he's made it all about him. Scored a hat trick, um, tackle on Winchester in the first ten minutes, uh, borderline. But um, yeah, what were your thoughts on uh, the return and Scott's performance at the Stadium of Light? Yeah, I thought it was probably a red. Um... But you know, it's one of those, isn't it? You probably can get a variety of opinions on it. I, I did think it was a red, but I didn't see anything that surprised me. I thought he was tremendous. Um, and I saw performances of that calibre quite a lot um, in three years at Sunderland, but not quite enough um, to get the team promoted. You know, there's no doubting that Maguire is an outstanding player. He has that. Well, first and foremost, technically he's very good and you saw that in that first goal. But he also has that personality, that charisma to almost bend the game to his will when he wants to. Um, and ultimately, you know, in my opinion, we didn't see that consistently enough over three years and that was why he often found himself in situations when he was frustrated and out of the team. There's no doubt when he's got a point to prove he's, he's impossible to play against at this level. Um, but I have to say that all three of his goals were well taken, all three really clean strikes, but I don't really see last night's game as Sunderland lose because former player comes back to haunt them. I thought it was Sunderland lose because they didn't do anything that's made them decide that they have been over the last few weeks. And I thought even from two, three minutes in, you could tell that they just they just weren't at it. The mm-hmm. sort of the application and the intensity just didn't seem to be there. Um and it was just so disappointing to see that. Now, as I'm sure we'll come on to, um, the pitch was clearly a big issue and that's because you could tell that the players didn't trust the bounce of the ball. It was slowing them down. They were taking an extra touch. Um, but yeah, it was just a poor night. And, you know, I, I don't want to sound bitter in saying it wasn't about Maguire because it was. He scored a superb hat-trick, three very well-taken goals. But the fact is that it stems from Sunderland not doing what we know they can do and that's why it was so frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do we have to sort of balance this because it's frustrating that Maguire's come back former player they always seem to do it against Sunderland we've seen it over the years with Darren Bent and a a number of others and and whatnot but Sunderland have a 
clear way of recruiting. We've enjoyed the performances of Dan Neal, of Elliot Embleton, of, of Alex Pritchard. And yes, we've got a bit of recency bias at the moment because former players come back to haunt us. But I suppose it's worth taking a step back and, and realising what we've enjoyed at Sunderland so far this season and, and why Chris Maguire possibly wasn't deemed good enough to be part of that. Yeah, and it's not just that he wasn't, not as simple as he wasn't deemed good enough. And I think as well, you know, feel a little bit for Lee Johnson in terms of, yeah, okay, he didn't pick Maguire a lot in the second half of last season. So, you, you know, you can understand why Maguire felt he had a point to prove. But Lee Johnson was brought to the club to oversee a complete change in football and strategy, the heart of which was bringing the average age of the squad down and bringing through younger players. So the reason why Maguire left was, you know, we've talked about that consistency or otherwise, um, but also to create space for for people like Daniel, Elliot Embleton, um, Jack Diamond in a sort of longer run, Leon Diaku at 20. Can we honestly say that we think that was the wrong decision? Um, you know, in terms of the general picture, um, I certainly don't think so. So I, I, I'm not sure that decision was as personal um, as, as, as maybe Maguire's taken it. But listen, as I said, when he feels like he's got a point to prove, he is unplayable. And when he did that for Sunderland, it was glorious to watch and, I'm sure Lincoln fans felt exactly the same way last night. And, you know, we we know that too well. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think one admittedly superb hat-trick kind of should make you question some, some the decisions that led to that because, it, because I do think it was the right thing to do. Um, two blows as well. Winchester obviously sent off and Lee Johnson sent off as well. What did you make of, of those two incidents? I guess we'll, we'll start with Winchester because he's... He's going to be a miss. His versatility is certainly going to be a miss. Yeah, I think part of me is, I think he was really poor and whilst acknowledging that, part of me doesn't want to overreact too much because sometimes you do just have one of those nights and if you take Winchester and Neil, we've praised them rightly throughout the season because they've been outstanding. And both of them just really struggled last night. Um, and, and part of you thinks probably don't need to read too much into that. I want to read too much into it. Sometimes it just happens. Um so yeah, I think it's definitely a definitely a blow. Um, you know, hopefully Johnson said he'll have three or four players back in terms of the COVID situation. So maybe that'll make things a little bit better. Johnson's red card, hard to tell because I'm so high up on the ground, I don't see the full instant. I do think that he's done the right thing in terms of initially trying to get between the player and Callum Doyle. If we say that Maguire should have probably had a red card then we should also say that I think Callum Doyle should probably have had a red card for that challenge because it was very reckless so the starting point is I think Johnson's done exactly the right thing in terms of trying to get his 18 year old defender out of the situation what's happened there you know it's hard for me to say at this point and and what have you but um, yeah it's certainly one of those where I think he was in a difficult position his initial action is the right one and what I think he would expect a manager to do for his young player and what's gone on from there is, is hard to judge. I've seen a lot of criticism online and I felt it in the ground as well. And I guess found myself sort of agreeing with it in a way. And it's the old kind of Sunderland adage. And we, we like to look at sort of glories past. But I felt like Chris Maguire was sort of, choose me words carefully here, sort of allowed to do what he does, allowed to sort of, to, to wind people up, allowed to wind Lee Johnson up, allowed, allowed to wind Sunderland's players up a little bit as well, and the fans. And I heard a lot of people talk about leadership and, and this wouldn't have happened back in the day and whatnot. How far do you sort of agree with that? Do you think Sunderland maybe you're a little bit 
and that this is going to sound extremely harsh, but a little bit naive sometimes in moments, given the the average age of the squad, or is it is it sort of something that's gonna something that's gonna grow with them? To be, there might be a little element of that, but I honestly don't perceive last night's game in terms of someone getting really caught into the to the Maguire show and their performance disintegrating from there. It's just not how I saw the game. I think if you look at the one thing that happened, which was a direct consequence of Maguire's antics, if you like, was Winchester's first yellow card, um, because that was clearly a, a retribution foul, if you like. Mm-hmm. But in the end, he got a straight red anyway because of defensive failings. And it's not as if Johnson really got sucked into a scrap with Maguire. Johnson called for a red card um, when Maguire put that tackle in, which I think more Sunderland fans agreed it should have been. And then Maguire sort of used that as his platform to, to yeah. fire himself up. So I, I didn't really see it as Sunderland collapsing because of what Maguire did. I thought that Sunderland's performance was poor from minute one and only really improved for kind of five minutes either side of their goal. Um, and, you know, Maguire took advantage of that poor performance to show what he can do. And to be fair to him, you know, you do have to give him a lot of credit because it wasn't just his goals. You know, he was playing that kind of false nine role and I thought he picked up spaces really well. He did link up the count as well. And there's no taking away from the fact that it was a nine, 10 out of 10 performance from him. But I don't think he caused someone to collapse. I thought someone played really poorly and just never, never found their rhythm. Missing a pivot, maybe perhaps with Evans out the side, the midfield didn't look all that balanced to me. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of what I meant in terms of maybe not reading too much into it because Neil and Winchester, their last three or four games as a midfield pair were, were absolutely tremendous. So maybe it's just one of those things. But if I look at the performance on Saturday, I know Sunderland conceded three goals, but in general play, I thought Corey Evans was really superb in just bringing that composure, spotting danger, sweeping up. And yeah, I definitely agree with you that that composure was missed. We don't have a full update yet on when he'll be back, but hopefully it won't be too long because his form before that kind of uh, collision with Anthony Patterson was, was looking really, really good. Lyndon Gooch as well. Obviously, he made the mistake with the air shot, which led to Lincoln's third goal. A really tough afternoon for him. Um, looked very tired towards the end, very leggy. Looked like his head had gone down a little bit. Um and to be honest, where, where I moved to watch the last 20 minutes of the game, which I moved from the north stand to the east stand to meet a friend, he got a lot of... I felt uncomfortable at times, to be honest. It wasn't really nasty stuff, but it was in, in terms of really abusive or vile, but it was it was targeted and it was very sarcastic. And I know some of them were losing, but he was right on that side as well. And it can't have been nice. You know, I think we, we were speaking earlier today on our morning conference call that He's as good as a local lad. He's been at the club. It clearly means something to him, but it's it's tough to see a player go through that for me, despite his, his poor performance, it must be said. Yeah, listen, he's not a right-back. And I think sometimes players like that can be a victim of their versatility because, you know, he's he's an attacking, he's number 10. That's where he likes to play. He's been asked to fill in at right-back and, and no, last night it didn't work. Um, the manager has to take some accountability for that because obviously he opted not to put Winchester there. Um, and, and he had to change it at half-time. Gooch immediately looked better for the 10-15 minutes after half-time. Obviously, after the red card, things changed. But, listen, there's no hiding from the fact that he was he was well short of what we know he's capable of last night. But if you're constantly having to play players out of position, sometimes it will catch up with you. And I think that's one of my big takeaways from last night, is that some of them really need defensive reinforcements. Because I totally understand that Hume, they want to sort of phase in um, he's only a 19-year-old lad moving still to a new league, a new country. Um, 
but some of them need need to bolster their ranks because I'm not sure you get the consistency of performance that you need from the centre halves in terms of winning going up in the top two. I and mean, clearly there's an issue at right back there. So I think there's some some work to be done there in recruitment because I think at the moment I don't I'm not convinced these defensive options are taking some number. We'll uh, we'll tackle recruitment in a second, but I want to talk about the the pitch very quickly because there was well last season the pitch wasn't great either. There was that talk in the summer of investment in the pitch, um, and then this season it's sort of started to deteriorate again. It's become a talking point. It was a talking point sort of late last year as well. What's your understanding of of what's gone on with the pitch? I guess. Yeah, well, as it, as you say, it was first mentioned about a year ago. Um, in terms of that period just after Sunderland had their COVID outbreak, I think when Johnson kind of referenced that there needed to be some investment in the pitches, um, that appears not to have happened to the level that it needed to because we we're in the same situation a year ago, despite some suggestions that it would be. It's a it's a strange one because the pitch is exactly the same style. Um, so I'm not exactly Monty Don, so I'm on fairly shaky ground here, but um, <laughs> the pitch is exactly the same is the ones at the academy, which are absolutely perfect. Um, it's something to do with the conditions at the stadium of light um, that I think means that the grass doesn't get the air and light um, that it should do. So clearly there needs to be investment in a different kind of service, surface for the stadium. Now, as of yet, that hasn't happened. And listen, it's a big issue because you know, something's gone badly wrong when Wickham produced a better surface for football than Sunderland do, given Wickham style and Sunderland style. Um, and, you know, obviously there was an issue last night where the pitch was watered when it shouldn't have been, and that didn't help. But I think it's important we don't get, um, pardon the pun, too bogged down in, in that one aspect of it because this is a, this is a long-term issue. Um, yeah, more on next week's garden as well. <laughs> Phil Smith, uh, the Sutherland Echo's answer to Alan Titchmarsh, I'm sure you'll all agree. Um, we'll talk about Accrington Stanley in a minute, but uh, transfers, Phil, what do we know? Is anything happening? What's in the offing? I suppose you're getting these questions tweeted at you all the time, but I have to ask. It's, uh, I'm sure you will agree, an interesting time um, for Sutherland fans and, and all of us really working, um, covering the club. It's uh, There's a lot of noise, isn't there? Yeah, well, I think we knew from the start that there wasn't going to be much early movement on the loan front because that's not just a Sunderland thing. If you look at every single club in the AFL, they're struggling to get loan deals over the line because Premier League clubs want to keep their squad as big as possible for as long as possible due to COVID. So I think Sunderland will do some loan business, um, but I can understand why that's been a little bit delayed. Um, but yeah, we need to see some movement quickly. There's no two, two ways about that, because as I said, I think if Diamond and Hawks are going to return to their loan spells, which appears to be the plan, um, I think Sunderland are an attacking midfielder light. Um, and like I say, there's certainly one centre-half light, um, possibly another defender as well. So, yeah, I think there's pressure on really because we know that Sunderland are capable of finishing in the top two. They certainly have enough quality and enough talent to do that. But right now, it's it's advantage Wigan, and the squad needs a little bit of help. Um, and, I, and I hope that maybe last night has has focused some minds that although there's a lot of good things happening, the team's trending in the right direction to go up this year. I think everyone can see they need a bit more um, need a bit more power in the defence, and, and they need a little bit of investment. I think. Absolutely. So, Akrit and Stanley on Saturday, big game, Sunderland need to bounce back. Um, might be a look, actually, because whenever I see Andy Holt, their chairman, post a picture of their pitch, it looks glorious, Nick, so we might get away with it down there. 
it's a great little setup there, actually. It's, it's a club I've got a, um, a lot of respect for because I actually think they're pretty good football as well. Sunderland have a really good record there um, over the years, but I think it always belies the fact that the games are, are pretty tight. Um, but it should be a good game for Sunderland because Accrington don't sit in. You know, Accrington will have a go. They'll probably play two up top and they'll get bodies forward and there'll be space. It's a really important game now. It's a really important game for Sunderland. It's so important that, you know, last night was a real horror show. It's so important that it doesn't become a bit of an implosion point. Mm. We have seen that in the past with, you know, I think the Coventry game is the one that springs to mind immediately. Um, yeah, it's so important that this doesn't allow um, someone to be knocked off their rhythm because of four, five game slump at this point. You never know, that could be it. So, yeah, really important that they respond, that they respond quickly. Absolutely. And, and just quickly ahead of that fixture, what are you sort of predicting or what's the news in terms of injuries and COVIDs? And obviously we know Winchester will miss the game. Johnson won't be on the touchline, but what else can you tell us, Phil? Well, I think the, the most likely scenario is in terms of returning COVID cases rather than injuries. Um, I don't think Wright or Evans are necessarily ruled out at this stage, but I think it'll be fairly tight. We should have an update later in the week on that one. But I'm expecting a good chunk of those players um, who have been out with COVID to return. So we know that the plan initially was that Patterson was certainly going to return to Notts County after this game last night. So that would suggest that all being well, Hoffman and Bird should be back. Um, and hopefully, you know, maybe Frederick Alves, one or two of the others as well. So I think there should hopefully be three or four, maybe even a little bit more back for the weekend. Um, but obviously you have to just keep in mind that it's a very movable situation. The players are testing every day. You know, those players who have had it need to test negative before they can come out of isolation. So, yeah, hopefully there'll be another three or four back just to give them a bit of freshness. But the reality is, it is a situation that changes every day. Absolutely. Well, thank you, uh, Phil, for fielding my questions today. And thank you for the listener for listening. You can subscribe to the Sunderland Echo for all the latest transfer news and pre and Stanley build-up. Um, yeah, catch us next time for another Raw podcast. Thanks once again for listening.